Hello and welcome to Tales with Gnomes, where we talk about mythological beings and their tales old and new. I'm Cody. And I'm Olga. This week we will be talking about Nisa and Baba Yaga. Um, one moment before you get started, Cody. We actually have a listener query about both of our installments from last week. It involves shapeshifting. They were wondering if shapeshifting is a defense fence tactic that sprites or wendigo use, similar to a chameleon using color changing as a survival tool. Oh, okay. Um, you want to talk first? Sure. Um, I did research some more, and it seems some sprites can shapeshift or become invisible, but since most sprites are already insect-like in appearance, they don't have to do much changing to camouflage. When camouflage fails, they just manipulate the nature around them to hide them or help them in their getaway. Oh, I kind of like that. Just a little sneaky hidden. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I am a bug. <laughs> or a leaf like covers them gently or something. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Um, with the Windigo, from everything I've researched, just knew after you told me that we did have a query about him. I only found one person on Reddit who claims that Windigo shapeshift. Whether or not I believe that or not, they say that they are part part of one of the tribes that um, um, have a part of their have, culture. Yeah, have a part of their culture. But, like I said, it's just one person on Reddit that I could find. Everywhere else, it says that's um, one of those shape or uh, skinwalker things. Oh, okay. Misinterpret or get shuffled around between the two. Um, they don't camouflage because they're spirits. Makes sense. So the only time they're really, like, super visible is when they're about to possess someone or have possessed somebody. That makes sense. They're like, I don't care anymore, so yeah, I've already, I'm already about to do the thing. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Thank you, listener, for that inquiry. That was very fun to add to that. Yeah, a little extra research I like. Onward! Onward. All right. This story is by me. Um, it is called Nisa New to Me. I finally owned land big enough for a couple of cows, and it already had a sturdy barn on it. It took me a couple of months to make sure the fence was secure and that the barn had no leaks and not too much air venting through. While working on the property, I always felt like I was being watched, but never got a creeped out feeling. It was more of a comforting feeling I was getting. I chalked it up to me feeling the spirit of the house welcoming me and being pleased with the improvements. As I was getting everything ready for my cow that would be arriving in a couple of days, I saw a small shadow move out of the corner of my eyes Maybe it was just a cat from the neighbor checking and making sure that I didn't have any mice. My cow finally arrived and seemed to be loving her new barn. Every morning I came out to check on her. She was shiny and clean, like she had figured out how to brush herself. I didn't think anything of it as I milked her twice each day. Until one day, I noticed some of my milk was missing after I walked away to grab some sweet corn for her. That day, I called my parents to chat. After the usual pleasantries, I said, 
I'm so happy I have my own cow. When I first got her, she was always clean. I didn't think she liked to lay in the hay or just knew a way to clean herself on the stalls. But lately, she's been really dirty. And I'm having to clean her for a longer time and each time I milk her. And then this morning, some of my milk was missing after I cleaned her. I don't think I spilt any. I'm always careful. I don't have a cat to sneak any away yet. Ah, you might have a Misa on your farm, Mom said. And they might be getting upset you haven't left anything out for them yet. After some explaining, I remembered some of the tales I was told as a child about them. Oh, I should leave some food out for them. You said rice porridge with butter in it is their favorite? I asked. Yes, make sure you cook the rice in milk and do not forget the butter, Mom warned. So that evening after I finished my dinner, I began to use my leftover rice to make some rice porridge. I had enough to leave a bowl in the barn for the Nisa and a bowl to enjoy myself. I put the butter in the bowl and filled it with the porridge and left it on the table in the barn. The next morning, when I went out to milk my cow, she was extra dirty and out of food. I milked her and placed the milk on a table. I fed her and began to brush her and get all the dirt and mud off of her. I heard the ticking of my pail hitting the floor. I rushed over and all my milk was spilt. Disappointed, I walked to my house and called my mom. I seemed to have upset the Nisa. They spilt my milk and the cow was not cared for as they normally were. You gave them rice porridge? Yes, it was all gone this morning. Hmm. Did you remember to top it with butter? Mom asked. Top it? No, I put the butter in the bowl first so it would mix in better. Ah, yes, that was your mistake. You must put the butter on top, like a garnish. Oh no, I will make them more and do just that. Thank you, bye. I hung up the phone and immediately started making rice porridge for the Nisa. I couldn't have them mad at me. I got the bowl out to the table and proclaimed to the barn, I'm sorry, I mixed the butter in last. It is garnished how you like it now. That evening, when I went out to the milk the cow and gathered the dish, I noticed the dish was scraped clean and a pail of milk still warm next to it. And my cow was shiny and well-fed. Thank you for your help, I said to the Nisa somewhere in the barn. And it was then that I saw a small red hat, and under it, a two-foot-tall, hairy old man, and old farm clothes standing next to the stall. He waved with a shy grin and vanished into the stall. I stood still in shock for a few seconds. Then, with a smile of my own, I left the barn for the night. The end. <laughs> Aww, what an honor that the Nisa showed themselves to your character in the end. That's so sweet. Yeah, instead of just like a passing glance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a sweet story. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And writing it. Good job. Thank you. All right. Some information. Nisa are part of the group Invisible Ones in Norwegian folklore. So that pretty much means that they can just turn invisible when necessary. At will? Yeah, at will. Cool. Um, the origin of their name is unclear. Some say it is from the Scandinavian Nils, which is a form of Nicholas that started in the 1600s. Another idea is that it's from Old Norse, the word meaning dear little relative, which is Meathsi. Um, I lean more towards 
this thinking since Nisa is so close to Neathsy and they've also been around longer than 16,000 or 1600. Mm-hmm. Some English translations use gnome, pixie, or elves. Hans Christian Andersen used. I was going to say Gollum. <laughs> Gollum. Gollum. Um, sorry. Goblin. <laughs> Swedish say Tomte. Uh, Finnish say Tontu. And H.L. Brekstad called them brownies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the term that I always heard, which I guess my... Um, my Norwegian grandfather never told me about Nisa, which I didn't know about. I did know about trolls. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyways, so Nisa are helpers on the farm or land they originate from. Some thinking that it is the farm's original owners who were buried in a burial mound on the property. In pre-Christian times, they would receive food and beer sacrifices on all major holidays, such as the solstices, equinoxes, and other holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also believed to become attached to a new owner of the land or a relative and travel with them to new countries to take care of them and their pets. So that's why we still have Nisa in America. Mm-hmm. Um, on farms, they care for the animals, feeding and combing them, but they are just as happy caring for house pets as long as they are also taken care of. They are often described as old men, <laughs> I wrote old me. <laughs> I forgot the end. <laughs> Little old me. Little old me. Um, who are very hairy, wearing old tattered work clothes and a red woolen hat. They are small like a child to only inches tall. And they can turn invisible when necessary, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Nisa were known to be short tempered and would lash out in devastating ways. So it was always best to stay on good terms with them to avoid misfortune. Their favorite food in recent times is riskrot, um, rice porridge, um, with a bit of butter on top. Must be on top and visible. Yeah, because there was another story I, I s- didn't really see, but I saw mention of that uh, the person puts the butter on the bottom and before the Nisa actually gets to the butter, they're livid and they kill the family's cow. Oh, yes. And then, so I after he I've kills the cow, he finishes up the porridge and the splat of butter was on the bottom and he feels guilty, so he goes to the neighbor and steals one of their cows. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I've come across that in in my Scandinavian upbringing Um <laughs> Nisa and like brownies and uh, these kinds of spirits are very much part of our culture and I I remember um, that <laughs> being mentioned going up <laughs> like oh no I made a boo boo uh, how do we fix this <laughs> neighbor cow okay <laughs> well and there was also one it was about a milkmaid who like became really good friends with the Nisa because she was taking care of the cows and she was taking care of them at the same time and decided to give them new clothes and this Nisa came in with his new clothes, and he's like, I am too fancy to work now, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that when you mentioned that they wear old tattered clothes, mm-hmm. that they they um, 
they're kind of like a selfless giver. They they don't look after themselves, but they really care about the farm that they live on. Yeah. That's and I, I kind of, on that note, I the old relative or like the original owner, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like it's almost your house spirit. Mm-hmm. Like the person who built your house. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Nisa became a symbol of national pride to Norwegians. Since the Norwegians were so proud of the Nisa, they became a symbol of resistance as well. They were depicted bringing barrels and bottles of alcohol to the Norwegians during their prohibition from 1919 to 1926. They also helped resist during Nazi occupation during 1940 to 1945, and it went as far as the Nazis banning people wearing red hats. What? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. That's incredible. <laughs> I thought that was so great. Um, so Nisa are like the original Antifa. I don't know what Antifa is. Um, anti-fascism. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Yul Nisa uh, became popular when Santa Claus did, but he was much like the Nisa's temperament and smaller. He would get help from the... Fjors Nisa, which is Barn Nisa, not elves, since elves had an entirely different folklore in in Norway. Mm-hmm. So, little maybe we'll cover a little bit more on them a different holiday season. But I don't want them; like they're just a house spirit. Thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that was my history and knowledge of Nisa. That's so awesome. I do wonder how much intertwining or separating over the years the Nisa have um, had with the brownies like do the brownies as the English know them have their own origin and they kind of got mushed together with the Nisa or um well that's a good point we might have to research some on that because I know for sure like goblins have their own thing pixies have their own thing and then Those were also names that they used to use. So, actually, after my research, I realized that gnomes have their own background, too. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, they're completely different, and it's not just, like, interchangeable. They're probably like spirits. Kind of like with the sprites last week. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Because, not Scandinavia, the um, Slavic... Uh, nations have their own version of Nisa, which is um, Shishok. Shishok. Yep. So, I almost had it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and actually, I was looking into which creature I wanted to do for this week, and um, I realized that there's there's a Shishok and a Damavoy, which hmm. are actually Damavoy sounds the evil. Same. So the, <laughs> I grew up, yeah, <laughs> kind of, but he's not because um, I grew up knowing Shashok as the house dwelling Nisa, but it actually turns out the Shashok is the one that lives in the woods and is mischievous and naughty and the Mavoy um, is the one that lives in the house. And mm, growing up, my mom especially always called the w- one that's in the house as the Shashok. Oh. And they're the little creatures that, just like Nisa, you know, you, you see in the corner of your eye. And I am I almost want to do, like, a full thing on them. Because they, they deserve a spot. Because there's we've also, even talked about that before. Yeah, there's also a um, 
like a hill dwelling or like forest dwelling kind of Nisa thing that um likes to hang out with cows. Just like Just the like, the free ranging cows yeah, that are out free there. Ranger. I cannot remember the name. I did come across to it, oh. but I don't remember the name. So that's another one we'll have to yeah um, talk about. And speaking of cows, like one thing that has kind of always stood out to me moving to America from Estonia. I don't know if I've mentioned that before that um, I moved to America about 20, 23 years ago now. And um, one of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that the cows and the horses are just left out to, to pasture in America. They're, they aren't, they don't really, a lot of them don't have like, uh, a barn that they are they get brought back to mm. they're just left out in the elements and rain or shine or snow or whatever they're left out there and it's always been so weird to me because like we have barns that we let them out of and then herd them back into every day yeah <laughs> um so nisa would probably be a lot angrier with the farmers around here probably i, I have noticed that a lot around here in in montana uh-huh but when I over in Washington, they do have barns that um, they herd them back into. Yeah, I used to be friends with someone who worked on a cow, like an actual cow farm, where they had, um, like, uh, meat cows, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they all had a barn, and they had a separate barn for calves and like mm. calving mothers and stuff. I wonder, like you said, if it's just a Montana thing, then because I don't know. I have noticed that, like, on um, Brad's parents' drive like on their their road there is a um a few play people there that have cows and horses and they're never in a barn yeah. i don't even think they have a barn like you said and that's so sad to me it's really sad to me because i mean we have hard winters here yeah and this one's not but <laughs> <laughs> usually <laughs> yeah usually they're pretty tough winters and they're out there and most of them they don't wear blankets either like mm. something else i noticed about washington like horses cows maybe not cows i don't know if i've ever seen a cow with a blanket but for sure horses i've seen with blankets on but here i have i've never seen a blanket on a horse yeah it's horses get kind of stuck into especially in like our valley so uh the horses get mistreated quite a bit like people see like half an acre of land and they're like oh i can get three horses on that <laughs> and then the like, horses end up standing in, in mud and no that's food that's what they're gonna do yeah it's it's very sad anyway oh, we got derailed sorry <laughs> but nisa would i mean it's kind of on topic because nisa would be mad nisa would be mad <laughs> i think um the nisa that we have here has been pretty like i've seen them quite often not like full body figured but mm-hmm. They, I think they like that we got the ducks. I oh. see them more outside than I used to. I bet. Yeah, so. I'm, I like um, that you got the ducks, even though you, they're loud. They're, oh God, they're, they're so, so loud. dang cute. <laughs> they're constantly making jo- jokes at us. <laughs> we open the door and they're like, <laughs> Sorry my, if that was loud. <laughs> my, my daughter makes mention of their of their laughter all the time like, <laughs> they're laughing at me <laughs> it does sound like like they don't sound like quack yeah no no it's not a quack it's like a like laughter a laugh. yeah yeah i do have to i do have to say though um 
and this probably whether it's the the brownies or the damavoy or nisa i usually i usually feel a difference in a home like when we walk into a home whether it's a home or a house there's mm-hmm. a big difference and i usually feel if there's if it's a home with a presence of an entity that spirit i mean um like i don't want to say spiritually takes care of the house but like takes care of the house from a different realm yeah you get that like just you walk in somewhere and it's comfortable mm-hmm. like instantly you're not like off put or anything yeah and it doesn't have to be like visually appealing to like your sense of style or your sense of comfort it's just like a comfort feeling like you said that you get that's like mm, there's somebody takes care of this place like with a capital c takes care <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely know a house that I'm, i can think of that just like it doesn't have that feeling i walk in i'm like hmm this like, is uncomfortable <laughs> right there's like an echo yeah sort of like a bare bones feeling i can think of at least one house as well um and we actually when we bought our place um we took our damavoy or you know our our house spirit with us like we set out a basket with some food in it and invited it to come with us and um then <laughs> so we moved into the house next door to to yours and mm-hmm. f- i swear for like the first 8 months we had pure chaos in our house because i'm fairly certain the house came with its own spirits and then we brought ours mm-hmm. and there was just like a dynamic shift in i don't know if it was a power struggle or like who I, it was it was chaos yeah um <laughs> Well, luckily, like Brad and I, we didn't I don't think we ever had a spirit of our own because we were mm-hmm. always with our parents' house or like my grandparents' house or like roommates or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when we came here, when I first walked in the door to even just look at the place, I was instantly comforted. Like oh, I just I knew where all the light switches were. Like it, it, I know that's a weird thing to say, but like I just it felt like home already and it, yeah. I didn't live there yet. Like the home welcomed you immediately. Immediately. And when Aww. we we moved in and actually started bringing our stuff in, at first it seemed like it was a skeptical like wait a minute. Yeah, like something was definitely watching us. Like <laughs> what is going on? And then as soon as my parents left after helping us move in, it got so comfortable and every time I was like <laughs> looking for something, it was just like, "Oh, I I could have sworn I looked at that area, but it's Aww. there." So, I think I think that they liked us moving in. I don't yeah. know if they liked the previous owners. Mhm. So, but they definitely liked us moving in and they they've been really nice to us. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh like our spirit to this day, like we've lived in our house for 8 years and our spirits I'm fairly certain it's one of the ones that came with the house still trips Michael whenever he goes up the stairs from the basement <laughs> every time almost <laughs> just about every time and it it's so funny and it's i have cuz he tripped when i when we dropped the uh my baby off <laughs> we dropped her off over there yeah. i saw him coming up the stairs and he totally tripped did he yes oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i mean see and then i have i have this ceramic jewelry box with little 
like nine little shelves, uh, drawers. Those <laughs> those nine little drawers are almost always halfway pulled out. Mm. Like eight years, I shift them back in and I push them back in and I walk out of the room and I come back and it's out again. And I'm like, that's funny. Uh, it's then that's like the the remnants of our chaos from us moving in. But it was never malevolent. It was always more, more of like a trickster and. Um, in the beginning, it was just a lot of things falling over, and I think they were just trying to figure out their place. Their in, place, yeah, in I in your know. guys's place, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love that our homes came with love like that. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Your information. You're welcome. Thank you for hearing it. Okay, Doki. So now my. Baba Yaga story. This is one that I wrote as well. <laughs> Once upon a moonlit night in the dense dark woods of Russia, where the shadows whispered secrets and the wind carried tales of ancient magic, there lived a fearsome and enigmatic witch known as Baba Yaga. The villagers dared not utter her name aloud, for it was said that even the trees trembled at the very mention of her. Baba Yaga's dwelling was a hut that stood deep within the forest, on chicken legs, constantly moving and turning to face in different directions. It was surrounded by a fence made of human bones, each one creaking and moaning with the echoes of long-forgotten lives. The hut's windows glowed with an eerie light that flickered like the dying embers of lost souls. Legend had it that Baba Yaga would emerge from the depths of the forest only on nights when the moon hid behind ominous clouds, casting an otherworldly, shadowed glow on the twisted branches that reached out like skeletal fingers. On such nights, she would ride through the air in a mortar, steering with a pestle, her long hooked nose cutting through the cold, damp air her laughter echoing off of the mountains. One chilling evening, a curious young girl named Anya, driven by a foolhardy desire for adventure, ventured into the haunted woods. Ignoring the warnings of her parents, she followed the winding path that led to the heart of the forest. The air grew thick with an unnatural stillness the closer she got to the location of the hut. Even the trees seemed to whisper warnings that went unheard. As Anya stumbled upon the clearing where the ghastly hut stood, she felt a shiver crawl down her spine. The chicken legs twitched, and the windows glowed with an eerie anticipation. Inside, Baba Yaga had sensed an intruder, pausing in her work. Anya, undeterred by fear, approached the hut and peered through a cracked window. She saw a cauldron. Inside it was a bubbling concoction that emitted a pungent odor. Suddenly, the hut's door creaked open, and from the shadows, Baba Yaga's piercing gaze fell upon the unsuspecting girl. Anya, frozen in terror, could only watch as the witch slowly moved into the dim light in the center of the hut. Baba Yaga's teeth clacked together in excited anticipation, and her bony fingers reached out toward Anya like claws. Trembling, Anya entered 
unable to resist the mysterious pull that drew her inside the hut. The air within was thick with smoke and the smell of herbs and decay. Anya felt as though unseen eyes were watching her every move from the dark corners of the magical structure. Baba Yaga, her twisted form now fully emerged from the shadows, croaked, Lost, foolish child, what brings you to my domain? Tears streaming down her face, Anya finally realized her mistake. Hoping the old witch would show mercy, she said, Please let me go home. I should be home. My mama and papa are waiting for me. Baba Yaga's cackle echoed through the hut as she revealed her true intentions, showing her sharp, yellowed teeth. You're mine now, little one. Forever mine. Anya tried to flee, but the hut spun around. With the doorway now mysteriously gone, the hut imprisoned Anya within its walls, sealing her fate forever. Baba Yaga chanted incantations, and the hut continued to dance. To the outside eyes, it has now completely disappeared into the night. Years passed, and the village became a place of whispers and sorrow. Anya's disappearance haunted the villagers and fed the tales of Baba Yaga's malevolence and hunger for children. The end. Oh, gave me chills. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Baba Yaga didn't realize that she actually flew around in a murder and pestle because they have that item in the uh, Tasha's Guide or Cauldron or in D&D. &D. Oh, do, do they really? <laughs> yes. So you can possibly have Baba Yaga's murder and pestle to fly around in. That's incredible. We I know. I almost put that in one of our campaigns for us. <laughs> yes. That, that oh, is sorry. so Sorry, I had cool. to say something about that because I was just like, oh my gosh, she actually flies around on a mortar and pestle. That is awesome. She does, yeah. It's like a, it's like a tall... Mm -hmm. really weird looking mortar and pestle that you normally wouldn't see but it's yeah she does i will have to find you or like we'll go upstairs and i'll show you in the book because it, it is it is also <laughs> tall like that but it like reshapes to form to the person who's flying in that's so cool we're definitely gonna have to implement that in one of our game nights yes <laughs> So the name Baba Yaga consists of two words. Baba is derived from the word babushka, meaning grandmother, and Yaga, for which there exists no clear consensus among the scholars about the meaning. And um, I don't could just be her name. I wasn't huh? I wasn't raised into like when when I was growing up with her, we were never like explained what Yaga is. It's like just Baba Yaga. Hmm. Just her name, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Grandmother Yaga. Mm -hmm. She appears in Slavic, particularly Russian folk tales, with the earliest documented appearance, appearance <laughs> <laughs> dating back to 1755. Over the centuries, Baba Yaga has been transformed from a powerful goddess to a vengeful, vengeful witch. I like wengeful. Wengeful. Like. <laughs> I was like, say that ten times. Wengeful witch. Vengeful witch. Vengeful witch. Oh, no. <laughs> wengeful. <laughs> well, I just got to thinking about wenches. Wenches. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's lustful in another words. <laughs> I 
don't know, but nobody might. I don't think anybody would want that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Feminine power, which Baba Yaga personifies, was and to a point still is regarded with fear. Even widowed old women of the village suggested the um, dispensability of the males in their world. So women were seen as potential witches, and Baba Yaga was their patron goddess. Vilifying Baba Yaga was an easy way to also vilify the feminine power and set us in our place, for lack of a better term. And they didn't do enough of that with freaking religion? Everything else. And everything else? (laughs) Baba Yaga is unique in the fact that she has appeared in two polar opposite ways for the protagonists in Tales. In some stories, she appeared as a repulsive or ferocious-looking old woman who fries and eats children, while in other tales, she's still ferocious-looking, but otherwise a nice old woman who even helped the hero on their journey. Hmm. Not directly, like, oh yeah, I'm going to help you. She would be more like, I will give you this riddle or this side quest, and if you can figure it out, then... Like, there's your answer. So mm-hmm. she's like, helps you to help yourself, sort of. Which mm. was, like, still helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, digging further into the lands of the internets, I actually even learned that aspects of Baba Yaga, like her cut on chicken feet, could have been influenced by East Slavic contact with Finno-Ugric and Siberian peoples. Finno-Ugric refers to the two major Uralic, as in the Ural Mountains on the, in the Siberian side of Russia, mm-hmm. um, languages whose main branches were Finnic and Ugric. The hut on chicken legs deep in the forest plainly resembles huts raised on one or several stilts using stumps with the roots still attached to them for the feet to keep them elevated and out of reach of the opportunistic predator. Oh, okay. I like that. But yeah. oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Rewind. Her, her feet are cut on? Like like surgically put on chicken feet? Oh, the house. Not her. Not her. Okay. I think in the story I somehow thought that she had chicken feet too. Uh, I was so confused. Okay. Oh, I see. No, okay. in, in some... Um, some fairy tales, she was referred to as uh, Baba Yaga Kastivaya Naga, which is a bony leg. So, like, sometimes she she was like, a, it's like, a, um, oh, what's the, the wooden... Like a peg leg? A peg leg, except bony. Hmm. So, it, that's in some fairy tales. But, yeah, yeah. no, her, her okay. hut is... Hut yes. on chicken legs. On chicken legs. Okay. It's not like I thought you said cut on chicken legs and I was Oh no. I was stuck on that. Like she surgically put chicken legs on her legs. Like why? Very convenient for digging a garden, you know. I guess. <laughs> Sorry. So the the little the hut on the on the st- on the stilts was a popular popular use by Finno-Ugric people, um, that was also founded forests rather than villages, and like Baba Yaga's hut, they were normally crammed for a person because they were intended as storehouses and not for living. Hmm. So, those were the 
and I didn't know the history between behind her hut before either. So no, I like nice I like that. that. Um, it makes me think of like swampy areas, like I think down south and like Louisiana and probably Florida too. I don't know, but like the swampy areas, the stilts houses on stilts. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just a convenient use of the tree stump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that. And this was just to, and I think the, I know I watched a thing about the. Um, Alaskan uh, natives they also raise how the little mm, storage houses so to speak for their to store their meat in and stuff and for it's, predators, it's yeah. to keep away from predators that makes sense well um Siberia in that area probably has pretty it's big like, predators too yeah yeah so. exactly yeah that makes sense so, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up with Baba Yaga being in the center of so many favorite fairy, fairy tales. Fairy tales? Fairy. Fairy. <laughs> so many favorite fairy tales and have always loved her cameos because she would appear in stories even if she didn't play a big role in the main story itself. Obviously, I don't love the child-eating aspects, but because... Um, I personally view her as something of a proto-feminist icon. And for those who might not know, uh, proto-feminism is a concept that anticipates modern feminism in eras when the feminist concept as such was still unknown. The main reason for my placing her in such a light is because she completely upends the nurturing mother stereotype applied to women in tales and in real life by eating children rather than having them or nurturing them. Another one is the fact that she's powerful despite not being attractive in a conventional sense, though conventional ugliness and power does seem to be applied to many villainous female characters, Ursula coming um, to directly to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. But that like is you a, can't have power unless you're ugly. Right, if like you're f- if you're a woman. Yeah. But that's a rant for, of a different yeah, kind. Yeah, different kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, she lives by her own magical terms. Rather than mundane rules of society, she challenges conceptual categories at e- every turn simply by living a free life. Um, even her home is both house and chicken, making her housebound in a sense. But <laughs> but not in a way in any way tied down at all. And I I'm love sorry. that about her. I do love that about her. <laughs> but I totally just imagined her house pecking at the ground. <laughs> her house in most stories that I grew up with, her house does have sass. Like does it? there's there's one um I mean the the main character usually his name is Ivan and he will come Ivan. Ivan. Ivy or Ivan, Ivan in, in, in Ivan, America. Yeah. And so, like, he he will come upon the house in his journey to save the maiden in distress. And he'll be like, uh, Baba Yaga, are you within? And the chicken house just, like, turns away. And just like, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, nobody's home and nobody's I'm not home. interested. She's sleeping, go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, to conclude, she uh, she was a wonderful way to keep kids in line and keep them from wandering into the woods where you didn't want them going. 
And by vilifying and glossing over her powers and freedoms, it's easy to just see her as just another simple baddie in a story and root for the usually male protagonist to overcome her riddles, tricky mm. tasks, or just in plain combat. Boo. Boo. Yeah, because she, she, she has used her um, pestle against Yvonne's <laughs> sword in the past and... Um, he would obviously conquer her, but oh, <laughs> so is Yvonne not relative. Uh, but is yeah. Yvonne a like, like is it a popular name because of an old ruler, or is it just a popular name to be in a story? It's just a popular name in the country. Period. It's oh, like okay. it's kind of like um, Michael or Mike here, mm-hmm. or um, what's another popular one? I don't know, right off the top of my head. John. John. Yeah, that's yeah okay. so like um, uh, Anton or Ivan or Anton and Ivan um, are very popular names, which actually happen to be both of my brother's names. I know, that's what I was thinking the whole time <laughs> you were saying that. I'm like, and, huh. I'm, and I'm Olga, it's, which is also, which is also like a popular very name. popular name. <laughs> Super creative. I know. And I, I've never I've never seen it as like like the way that people describe their mundane names here in this country i've never viewed my name as mundane in any way i've or my brothers um we've never felt like we're just just another john in the crowd or whatever you mm-hmm. know so i definitely had that feeling growing up because there were so many cody's in my class female um, or they were all men all men so anytime i heard somebody say cody like in the hallway at school or something like that, I would totally ignore it because it was never me. Oh. <laughs> Not like it like Yeah. You're, it's just because my friends know me better. They wouldn't... They wouldn't call they out They wouldn't your call name. out my name because they'd know I'd just be like, oh my God, I'd... Did, did you have friends though, Cody? I'm I just kidding. <laughs> I'm I just kidding. <laughs> Friend making is so hard for neurospicy people. And I... It is. I'm pretty sure one of my f- best friends uh, is also neurospicy, but I don't know if she... Is consider herself neurospicy or not <laughs> but she definitely put up with a lot of my oddities mm. growing up yourself <laughs> yeah my, right. myself but things that people other people would be like what in the hell is she doing that's so weird <laughs> and i think that's why you and i get along so well because we can just unmask and not use up our social batteries with each other and just I mean, how many times have we seen each other this week? And I don't feel like my social battery is drained at all. Right, exactly. (laughs) Or like after our our either one of our family trips somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think before we knew that each of us or ourselves were neurospicy, we still tried masking around each other, so we would have to take more time after trips. Yeah. But now we're just like. Oh, yeah, I'll see you tonight. Yeah, no problem. Like, I just parked my car, but I'll yeah. see you in a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> we totally did that the last, yeah. last few times we both took a trip. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, we can hang out. See you tonight for D&D. Yeah, because you helped me recharge in a way because I don't have to mask, like you said. It's yeah. great. And so, but um, I really enjoyed researching Baba Yaga. Like, I think I texted you last night. I was like, I, I was... loved learning about her because, like I said, I don't know anything about Baba Yaga except for that she's in um like D stuff yeah and so it was really nice to hear more about her and like 
And I didn't even know that she was in D&D. That's actually yeah. so cool. I, I'm <laughs> looking forward to digging through the books with you because we'll I had no idea. I'm glad that she made it into the D&D world. Mm-hmm. And she's probably just a villain. <gasps> you know, she would probably be a, a, a good warlock patron. There was a meme I came across um, months ago that said um, they didn't burn witches, they burnt women. Yeah, and I really, I really liked that meme for the message that I was sending, and I feel like well, it's so this, true with Baba Yaga. It's it's just like reinforcing that because and you know I bet Baba Yaga wasn't even that ugly. I bet that prob- was just a, the not. mask that they put on her to villainize her, like you were saying. Yeah, and I didn't really find like a true origin from you know other than her being mentioned for the first time in folk tales in 1755 but she was probably just like some widowed lady who owned her own house owned her own house and lived just on the outskirts of the village and did her own thing and might have been an herbalist or whatever yeah and people would go to her when they really needed it but in between they would just be like oh you stay away from her because she's she's creepy she's She's got a cat she's got a two cats (laughs) (laughs) five cats five cats (laughs) I think in in one of the portrayals of her growing up, she did have a cat, but uh, she also, one of my favorite animals that she has is a pig that she transforms into a, like a pig shaped sled for Yvonne. (laughs) <laughs> that that just like is an automated like self-propelling sled. sled that he has to chase down and ride to find Olya or Olga that he's trying to to save. So oh, that's hilarious. So she has she usually has a raven, a pig, and a cat. That in is her awesome. House. <laughs> She's my hero, actually. Like when I grow old, I want to be. Like her, minus the children eating. Can we just be a pair of Baba Yaga's? Pair of Baba. <laughs> That's one thing I didn't mention. It's sometimes, um, in the early tales, they were mentioned. Baba Yaga was as mentioned as one of three sisters. Ah, so like a little coven kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I might have to like segue back to that on a different week because see if you can find her sister's names. I didn't. I don't feel like I did that enough justice looking back. I feel like oh, I'm it's intrigued. An interesting yeah, point. definitely. But yes, we should totally be a pair of Baba Yagas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be a Baba of our own kind. Yes, Baba Cody and Baba, Baba Olga. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Olga. <laughs> It's so funny that you say your name, like, Olga here. So, like, I know you as Olga. Yeah. My daughter calls you Ola. Oh, Olga is, like, it barely gets the G in there. And yeah. I'm like, that is closer to the way you're supposed to pronounce it. Yes. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> Why? Yeah, Olya. 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 That's me. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Just random. Well, um, and that's it for, for, my, for my factoids. Well, thank you for sharing. I loved yes. it all. I hope some... Uh, some other people, some of the listeners learned and were intrigued by our findings as well, as as much as we were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. so many different characters in mytho- mytho- oh my God. mythology and, like, that kind of thing do the riddles and... Yeah, as a um, hindrance. A hindrance, a- but also just to help the, f- like... 
use a brain cell i feel like is what they're yeah. trying to like get across like you're so close you like yeah. you you can figure this out well yeah. like trolls on a bridge asking for a riddle sometimes or i think the sphinx does it too Mm-hmm. The Sphinx is very known for riddles. So, yeah, just kind of random. Yeah, I love that. Random little I'd be, I would be stuck. I'm really bad at riddles. But. I have to sit there and really, like, each word at a time. Because sometimes they're super literal, which is great. I can get those ones just yeah. fine. But the metaphors, I'm like... So hard. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> like the, what are you trying to say here yeah the metaphor ones i just cannot do but the like the uh what gets wetter as it dries a towel uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like that That's those funny. are ones that logic right there like <laughs> just it just makes sense yeah it does make sense that's cute but play on words some of the like there's one for a river and it's like it runs all day and it winds and like so for me running i'm thinking of an animal automatically running like i don't think of a river automatically as running like that's not my first thought because i i think in pictures and so like Mm -hmm. as i as i form a picture or a movie Mm -hmm. in my head as i hear things and so the first thing to pop up usually gets stuck in my brain and so then i'm like Mm. revolving around that and riddles are hard because of that because i can't undo the picture that got made yeah (laughs) yeah i think in both pictures and words like the word word i see as a word it just pops up like yeah letters yeah me too But you, like you have an internal monologue too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's back and that's forth, what I mean like, by like I, I think of that, but also I have visual, like you're saying. I wouldn't say an even even an internal monologue. It's like an internal dialogue. I have an internal like plural individual dialogue. I don't know what is like. You have multiple, more than two. More voices. than two. Yeah. It's like way more than two voices. I, d- I don't know the word for that, but or yes. and there's always a song running around in the background, like. Oh constantly so (laughs) annoying shut the music off (laughs) like our jingle i had that stuck in my head so bad today because brad showed it to me again and i'm like i try not to listen to it often because it just gets stuck and lodged in there it's a good one it is good he's like i'm so glad i can do catchy jingles (laughs) shut up and you're like go go take a walk yeah stop it just stop Thank you for joining us this week. Pictures of our subjects will be available on Instagram at Tales with Gnomes. And if you have any requests, questions, or tales of your own you would like to share with us, email us at taleswithgnomes at gmail.com. Maybe your story will be featured. Please subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends. This was Tales with Gnomes. See you next week. Bye. Bye.